What's going on? Welcome into a game day edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my co-host Aaron Summers. Happy game day as the Saints, I should say, will open up the Caesar Superdome tonight as they welcome in the Jacksonville Jaguars on Monday Night Football. We have a very special guest on this Monday. Joining us is Trey Wingo. And speaking of Caesars, he's the new chief trends officer and brand ambassador for Caesars Entertainment. So I figured this is a perfect fit for the Monday podcast. Trey, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Great to be with you. And that uh, that title's a little awkward, but uh, it's basically a weird way of saying, I'm going to talk about sports and we're going to do it with Caesars help. So I'm excited to be with Caesars, excited to be with you guys in the opening of the Caesars Superdome. Uh, I think we'll get down there for a regular season game as well. So we're really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Can you kind of go about a little bit more about your role uh, with with Caesars and kind of how that evolved? Yeah, sure. Uh, I got a call uh, about a month ago from a guy that used to work at ESPN and said, hey, uh, some people would like your information. And I'm like, well, who are they? (laughs) Uh, And it was some other former ESPN folks that I'd worked with that are now working with Caesars. So for me, um, it's really a new place and a new platform, but it's a lot of familiar faces. And basically I'll be doing what I've done all those years on NFL Live and covering the draft and SportsCenter and Golik and Wingo, talking about football and sort of telling people the why of the odds. Like I'm not an odds guy, I'm not a sharp, that's not who I am, but I can tell you why the odds are the way they are. Like I'll give you an example. Dak Prescott is the second best betting favorite Uh, to win the passing yards title this year. Well, why is that? Well, in the last three games before, only behind Patrick Mahomes, by the way, the last three games before he got hurt, he threw for 450, 472, and 502 yards. If you took the games that he played last year and extrapolated them out over a 17-game schedule average, he would have thrown for over 7,100 yards. Uh, The 16-game record for most yards in a season is still Peyton Manning at 5477, I think it was back in 2013. So, basically my job is to tell, well, why is it this way? Well, because this is what the numbers say, you know, this is, there's a reason that the Washington football team isn't considered the favorite to win the NFC East again, because no team has repeated in that division since 2003 and 2004 when the Eagles did it. So I'm going to be basically talking about football in the same way. I've always talked about it just in a different platform. Well, you do such a great job with talking about football. So I'm glad you're getting to stay in that realm. Um, how has the betting landscape changed and evolved over the years? Because it just seems like in just the last few years, it's been between daily fantasy, fantasy football, and now with betting and sports books going on across America, how has that evolved so much to allow you to have such a job like this? Well, it's a couple of things. It's, it's understanding where the business is going, right? Like I'm old enough to remember 10 years ago when the NFL would not let then Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Tony Romo, hold a fantasy football convention inside a Las Vegas hotel. Let's just just take a moment here, okay? (laughs) They would not let a starting quarterback show up to a Las Vegas hotel and run a fantasy football uh, marathon. Now we have a NFL team in Las Vegas. So it's just an understanding of of where the industry is going. And quite frankly, we all knew this was coming eventually. Like the, the... we set the line for NFL games based on two weeks of injury reports, right? You get them on Wednesday and then you get them on Friday. There's no other reason for the injury report to exist. Uh, I mean, right. the only reason, like if you're Drew Brees, you don't want to know, you don't want your other team to know <laughs> where you're hurt. You know, you don't want that out there. It's out there. So the line can be set. So 
I, I think the best thing about this new atmosphere that we're in is that we're all just being a little more open and honest about it, right? It's always been a part of it. It's always been a big driving force behind the incredibly profitable and successful and wonderfully fun business of football. I think we're now just saying, yeah, this is, this is what it is, guys. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. And um, of course, we'll be looking forward to your work with Caesars. But also, before I get to Aaron, I want to talk about a little bit about your podcast. You are still talking football on your own platform now, the Half Forgotten History. Uh, tell me how that came yeah. about. Um, and I, I, I've already enjoyed it. You know, Herm Edwards, uh, one of my favorites. I know one of yours as well. Um, but kind of what yeah. made you get into the podcast realm and where can folks find it too? Well, you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts or on my YouTube page, Trey Wingo Presents. Um, first of all, Herm's a treasure. Like Herm's yeah. a national treasure. I he mean, is. You just, we should embrace him and hug him every chance we get. But the whole point of it came about because for 17 years doing NFL Live and the draft and everything else, I would hear these great stories and they would never, for whatever reason, make the air, whether it would be in the green room before we went on or, you know, out at the Super Bowl when we're out dinner one night or out at the Pro Bowl or making an appearance with uh, Archie Manning or Peyton somewhere. And we'd hear these great stories. And for whatever reason, they would never make it onto the air. Well, now I want to be able to tell those stories. And that was the whole point of it. Let me give you a great example. Uh, during Eli Manning's rookie year, one of his backup quarterbacks was Tim Hasselbeck, who I worked with for many years. And there was a game where the starting left tackle for the Giants was a guy named Luke Pettit, and he broke his leg. And Luke never got hurt. So in came uh, the backup uh, left tackle, Bob Whitfield, who, by the way, had been a really good player for many years, but this, uh, this is at the end of his career. And Bob Whitfield was terrible. Like, he gave up a bunch of sacks. He, like, I hit a million times. It was a disaster. So that week after the loss, they had a big players only meeting for the Giants. We got to get this thing together. We got to pull it all together. And Bob Whitfield, to his credit, stood up and said, hey, man, that game was on me. Luke never gets hurt. I didn't think I was going to play. I was out all night partying the night before. I didn't get a <laughs> wink of sleep. I was out doing things I didn't have done. You know? And Eli, as like the number one overall pick, stares and then turns to, turns to Tim Hasselbeck and goes, yeah, I'm the bust. I'm the bust. I'm the problem here. It's those kind of stories that I've heard and known over the years that I want to share with people and, and just have these guys tell them in their own words. And that's been a real fun part of it. You've mentioned some families that are close to New Orleans here with the, the Mannings, of course. But when are we going to get a Saints-centric podcast from you on this half-forgotten history? Who do you want to hear from? Deuce McAllister? Tell me. Who do you want to hear from? I will make it happen for you. You give me the name <laughs> and I'll make sure I get them. All right. We'll have to work on that. I know you're really familiar with the NFL. Kind of what are some of the storylines you're following this season? Well, you know, we haven't had, and this is not going to sit well with a lot of New Orleans people, but we haven't had um, two teams, same two teams playing a Super Bowl in back-to-back -back years since Super Bowls 27 and 28 uh, when the Cowboys beat the Bills uh, two years in a row, one in Pasadena, one in Atlanta. It's going to be hard for me not to see, barring massive injuries and all kinds of crazy things, how that doesn't happen again. The two betting favorites, by the way, according to the Caesar Sportsbook, to get back there are the Chiefs with 17% of the bets and the Bucks with 16%. So you have the Bucks who brought back all 23 starters. I say 23 because Antonio Brown wasn't a starter, but he might as well be. You know what I mean? So Jason Light, the GM there, did an amazing job bringing everybody back. Um, I know the Saints have won that division four straight times, the second longest active streak in the NFL. But if the Bucs are right, and if Tom, if, look, 
Tom Brady eventually will age. I believe that. Like eventually he will age. Uh, unless he gets up one day and says, hail Satan, you know, I'm the son of the devil and I'm going to live forever, you know? So I don't think it's going to be this year that he ages, but it's going to happen at some point. But if he's healthy and Patrick Mahomes is healthy, it's hard for me to not look at those two teams and say, that's the best team in the NFC and that's the best team in the AFC. So uh, again, I'm sorry, Saints fans. I'm not <laughs> yeah. trying, I'm not trying to ruin your optimism, but you have Brady in a year or two with that service and that system. And now you've got, you know, Jameis and Taysom and all kinds of question marks of how it's going to go forward uh, for the Saints this year. Yeah, so we'll put that talk with the Bucks to bed and focus on the second <laughs> part of what you said there. With the quarterback situation here with the Saints, what are some of the things that you're liking out of camp so far? And what do you feel like this team can accomplish? Well, listen, they're, they're really talented. I, I just I want to make sure that everything's good with Michael Thomas. That has been a weird story this entire summer. Uh, you know, it, it feels like there's some trust issues back and forth that need to be worked out. And Michael Thomas is the surest thing I know of making a catch in the NFL. Throw it to Michael Thomas, he'll catch it. That, that much, I don't know much, but I know that much. So I, I hope they get that going. Really, it comes down to one thing for me. It comes down to can Jameis stop the turnovers? And, you know, James is really good unless he's really bad, right? I mean, that's that's sort of what it is. He's the first 30-30 man uh, a couple of years ago, 30 touchdowns, at least 30 touchdown passes and 30 interceptions. If James can stop, as, as my friend Herm Edwards would say, serving him up like Waffle House, I, I think the Saints have a real good chance to win the division and, and get back in the postseason. But if he doesn't, they're going to be problems. I mean, this is a game built on, on points and turnovers. That's the way the NFL is played now. That's the way the, way the NFL is legislated to be played now. Uh, a turnover is just as good as a defensive stop. So if he can limit that, the Saints still have plenty of weapons, and I think that defense is going to be pretty good. All right, so Monday is going to be my first game in the Superdome. I've never been there. How, oh, wow. have, how many times have you been there? Do you have any memories from attending any of these games? Oh, yeah. I've been, been there a bunch of times. Of course, the, the, the biggest memory, I guess, would be Super Bowl 47 when the power went out. Um, you know, I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was actually in the Lions box, the Lions booth uh, with a friend of mine. And I had taken my son and his, three of his friends to that game as a, as a high school graduation present. So the power went out. Okay, what just happened? Where's my son and his kids that I'm responsible for? Because I'm in a completely <laughs> different part of the stadium. I got to find, make sure they're okay. Like dad mode kicked in massively at that point. But thankfully it was just a power outage. It wasn't anything worse. We got it fixed. But yeah, I've been to the, been to the Superdome a bunch of times. It's just, it's a really cool place. It's a, it's a landmark institution now, you know? I mean, one of the neat things about uh, the Superdome, and I'm a history buff in sports, but they played Super Bowl 12 there and the Cowboys won 27 to 10 beating the Broncos. Then they played Super Bowl 15 there with Herm Edwards and the Eagles losing to the Raiders. And the score of that game was 27 to 10. So the two straight game Super Bowls in a row that were played in that stadium ended up having the same score, 27 to 10. I've always thought that was kind of funny. Give me a feel about the fans here. I hear that the home field advantage is the best here in the Superdome. Why is that? Because they're incredibly loud. I mean, there, there are really three places where you hear deafening noise uh, at, at an NFL game. Uh, definitely Kansas City is really, really loud. Seattle is really, really loud. And Orleans is incredibly loud. And obviously that was a big thing that was missed last year with so many uh, cities and teams 
having no fans and some having very few. So, uh, you know, as long as things stay sort of the way they are, hopefully everything will be fine. Um, but it is, it is a hard place to play, you know, um, Steve Gleason is a friend of mine and, you know, that play, I believe uh, that block pun on that Monday night game after hurricane Katrina against the Falcons, the crowd noise was a huge part of that. I mean, it was deafening. And, and then after that play, Oh my God, the place went absolutely crazy. And you, you just felt like the Falcons couldn't think, let alone play at that point. It was just such an overwhelming cacophony of noise. So uh, it is absolutely one of the best, if not the best home field advantage in all of the NFL. You know so much about football. You've been covering it for a long time. Where did that love for the game start? Um, because I was terrible at it. Like, <laughs> honestly, it's true. Like all my life, I wanted to play football and I was never any good, but uh, my parents and I lived overseas when I was a little kid and we moved back to the States um, in the in the 70s and I turned on a, the TV and it was a Monday night football game and the Dallas Cowboys were playing and my parents were both from Texas. We're like, oh, you know, it was the Dallas Cowboys that they're from the state of Texas and all my aunts and uncles were from Texas and I didn't get to see them much because we lived overseas. So I was like, oh, OK, there's my team. Well, and they started winning a lot in the 70s and I just became fascinated with the NFL college football is not a huge thing in the, in the East coast. So I became a huge football fan. Like I would, I would literally like draw plays when I was a kid. Hey, maybe this will work. Maybe that'll work. I, it's always fascinated me. I think it's the ultimate team game, like in hockey or uh, soccer, a, a hot goalie can change everything, right? You can have a really good team, really good attack, but if you're not scoring and the goalie's on his game, that changes everything. Baseball is a really a pitcher versus batter showdown and if the ball is in play everything else happens football everything is tied together you could have the best quarterback like drew Brees, but if you don't have a michael thomas it doesn't matter you could have uh, the best receiver but if the offensive line is terrible quarterback's not gonna have time to give him the ball the to me the, the the glory and the beauty of football is that it's 11 men pulling together on one side of the ball against another 11 men and if you guys aren't all on the same page you're going to get destroyed. And it's that unity about football. It's the, it's the myth and the magic of the huddle. It's the locker room presence. You talk to so many athletes that I've had the pleasure to work with. They say what they miss most isn't the game so much as that camaraderie that they felt inside that locker room that we're in this together. I'm getting goosebumps, man. Yeah. And that, that's, that's why I love football. It's different than any, and you can't be dispassionate and play it, right? You can go through a, a January game in the NBA and well, whatever. You can't do that in football because you get your butt kicked. I mean, it's you have to bring it every week, and that's what I love about football. Absolutely. And uh, before I let you go here, when we talk about football, you know, everyone loves it so much that they're adding another regular season game this year with 17, only three preseason games. Yeah. And now, so what are you, what are your thoughts on 17 games? Is it ever going to be more than 17? Do you think 17 is the right number? Well, no, I, I don't think 17 is the right number. I, I would have stuck at 16 because look, but I don't, I think we're probably headed to 18 at some point. Um, a couple of things. I'm really surprised. Well, not, no, I'm not surprised. I wish we wouldn't have had preseason at all because you know, we didn't have any preseason last year and football looked like football to me. I mean, I didn't see a huge difference in the first month of the season, but you know, we're having preseason because there's money involved, right? Those are games you can sell on Monday Night Football on ESPN. Yeah. Uh, and the local broadcasts make money on preseason games. Ticket sales, you have a season ticket package. Well, you got to buy the preseason games as well. What I'm curious about with the 17-game schedule is now we have a conflict of home and, home and away games, right? 
One year, some guy will have not, some team will have nine home games. Somebody will have eight. So what happens if, and I'm, I'm really curious to see if this plays out this year. What happens if a team misses the playoffs by one game, but they had eight at home and nine on the road, and the team that makes it had nine at home and eight on the road? Then I think people, there might be some issues, you know? I'm right. really curious to see if that plays out. Yeah, I think you either got to go to 18 if you want to add one or go back to 16. You're right. I think there's got to be an even playing field when it comes to home and away. So it should be interesting. Uh, that's for sure. That's Trey Wingo, Chief Trends Officer and Brandon Bassler. I'm just going to call you Trendy. I mean, you got you, you got trends in your in your new name. <laughs> he, he's sure. a trendsetter, a trendsetter and Trey Wingo. Uh, Trey, we're looking forward to all your work with Caesar Entertainment. We're looking forward to having you inside the Caesar Superdome, a match made in heaven. And we appreciate all the insight today. Uh, happy to be with you guys. And whenever you need me, let me know. And happy to be working with you guys and Caesars and, and the Superdome. There he goes. That's Trey Wingo again, Chief Trends Officer and Brand Ambassador for Caesars Entertainment. Also, don't forget about his podcast, Half Forgotten History. Already that one story they told us about Eli Manning uh, was good enough for me to continue on listening with that podcast. But Aaron, here we are, your first game day inside the Caesars Superdome as the Jacksonville Jaguars roll into town, whether it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. We'll see much of him. We're not sure, but I'm sure you're looking forward to your debut in the Superdome and, and appearing on the pregame show. Yeah, I mean, Trey was getting me hyped up already, too. He talked about how great it is inside the Superdome. That's all I hear. I hear a ton about how passionate this fan base is, how loud that they get. So even for a preseason game, I am expecting to be wowed when I go into the Superdome on Monday. And I know it's going to start in Champion Square when I'm out there with the fans before the game. Can't wait to get a feel for everybody and what they bring for these Saints games. Absolutely. Make sure to stop by and say hello to Erin uh, in Champion Square. She'll be out there for a little bit uh, before the game uh, tonight. So 7 p.m. tonight, you can watch it nationally on Monday Night Football, um, but also locally here on WDSU. And, of course, you can hear it locally on WWL. But make sure you tune in to John DeShazer, Todd Raffanini, and Aaron on the Saints pregame show, and then they'll be back on the Saints postgame show as well after the game on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app presented by Verizon. If you're heading to the game, which we hope a lot of you are, make sure you have your proof of vaccination, whether it's a card, whether it's a picture, or also a test within the last 72 hours of a negative PCR test, and hopefully you can get in the dome, and uh, we'll get back to as close to full capacity for a preseason game as we get. On that note, we're not done just yet. I know Trey Wingo is a huge get for us here on the Saints podcast, but at practice on Friday night, uh, Todd Graffinini had a chance to get in touch with Peter King of NBC Sports. Here is their conversation about the New Orleans Saints heading into this 21 season. Back here in the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Very pleased to be joined by NBC's own Monday morning quarterback, Three-time National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King. Peter, welcome to New Orleans. Uh, it's great to see you. Uh, this has been a very interesting training camp, to say the least. But, uh, again, welcome and uh, glad to have you here in the Dome. Uh, it's great to be here and it's great to be on the road again. Great to see one of the most interesting chemistry experiments in football. The Saints are going to be fun to watch this year. It has been a interesting training camp, to say the least, uh, one that the fans here in New Orleans have not really been used to in the last 15 or 16 years, obviously with the retirement of Drew Brees. And there has not been a quarterback competition in a very long time, and that has dominated the airwaves here uh, in the last few months. Yeah, and I, 
I mean, I think it's going to go right down to the wire. Obviously, Sean Payton would would like to get the uh, decision made before the final preseason game and settle into a couple of really good practice weeks with whoever the starter is going to be. That's why I think, you know, this Monday game is going to be pretty important um, because clearly uh, if, if if he had made his decision by now, you'd think he... He would have announced it. Uh, so I think Monday is going to uh, probably be the last chance for both quarterbacks to present evidence to the jury to uh, convince the one-man jury of who should be the starting quarterback. It is an interesting situation, too, for Sean Payton just to, to make that type of decision. You know, we talked a lot here in the in the last couple of weeks. These are the type of situations that really – Sean Payton over the years has thrived in, especially when it's it's kind of an underdog type of situation because there's really not a lot of respect national-wise about what the expectations are for the Saints, and that's really been the case when he has kind of stepped the game up over the last few years, especially when Breeze has been out the last couple of years. See, I, I mean, my my whole issue with what people think of the Saints is that it's not like this team has to go out and score 35 points a week. This is still a really good defense, maybe a little bit suspect at corner because of, you know, whatever the NFL is going to do, if anything, with Marshawn Lattimore. Um, so I, I still think this is, I mean, I don't think this team's as good as the Bucks, but I don't think they're far away from the Bucks. Uh, as the playoff game last year showed. I mean, clearly if, the Saints don't turn it over the way they did, uh, that probably was going to be a different outcome. But be that as it may, I mean, this is this is a team that uh, I don't think they need to get, like, top six or eight quarterback play, um, you know, to be playing in January. I, I, I just I think if anybody is thinking that this is going to be the start of a long decline because Drew Brees has walked away. And and it might be, but I certainly am not assuming that it is. Well, that has really been the key in the last few years. Even, you know, Brees, you could say, wasn't at the top of his game. The defense has really stepped to the forefront, and that's why, you know, you look up in the rafters and you see those four straight division championship banners. Yeah. Uh a lot of that has to do with the defense, and it's just been very solid on, on all three levels. I mean, I think, you know, you can point to a lot of different things. The consistency of Cam Jordan, the, uh, the fantastic acquisition of Demario Davis. And then, you know, look, I think the secondary, which might be a little bit threadbare if they have to start the season without... Marshawn Lattimore, um, I think the secondary might be uh, what people would look at at the start of the season. It could be the the Achilles heel, but we'll see. I mean, I think the benefit to this team is that they are going to be able to pressure the quarterback. Um, When they play Aaron Rodgers on opening day, Aaron Rodgers is going to feel the hot breath of that defensive front. And now, look, he doesn't usually get uh, it, it doesn't usually get rattled or distracted by things like that, but uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks that still do. So I, I think their defense is going to give them a chance to win every Sunday. 
Talking with Peter King of NBC Sports here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seeking. Here's the other thing, Peter, that kind of went unnoticed last year. Well, unnoticed in a grand scheme of things, but we're back in the Superdome here for a night practice. And for the first time in two years, we're going to have a full house. You know, last year we had 3,000 tops. Uh, That's a big difference in this building. You know, I think what is so interesting, I think the Saints have done a conscientious thing in basically telling their fans, look, you've got to be vaccinated or you've got to show proof of, uh, you know, of a, of a negative test, uh, you know, in the last 72 hours. I think that's it. Um, you know, and to me, I think that that is just going to encourage, uh, I think it's going to encourage more responsible behavior. I So I'm going to a long training camp trip right now and I'll end up being in 18 different places by the time I'm done. And when we got into my videographer and I get into new Orleans, uh, late on a late on Thursday night, immediately we could tell that this was a different place than most of the other places we were, we were at from, the uh, mask mandate in the hotel to, you know, to just feeling a little bit like they're taken a little bit more seriously than a lot of places around the country. And I commend them. I commend, uh, you know, Mrs. Benson and the uh, and Mickey Loomis and, and the, you know, everybody in the organization because they basically are saying, hey, listen, let's nip this in the bud and let's show the rest of the country that we can have a full house responsibly. Well said. Before we let you go, where you're off to next, and how t- how excited are you to just get back on the road? You touched on it early on, but I mean, you know, last year you weren't able to do any of this. Yeah, La- you know, last year, what I did last year is I went to four camps, but it was like I was watching it from the moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the the most hilarious thing that happened last year is that. Uh, I uh, I watched a Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice, and I was, you know, 15, 20 feet away from Tom Brady for like an hour. And then after practice, I had to hustle and get to my rental car and, and like, sprint to my hotel uh, so that I could get Brady on a Zoom call. <laughs> and so, you know, anyway, it was just different. And, and this year... It's better being able to, uh, you know, actually talk to some guys and see some guys. And look, we all we all want to be back to normal. I totally get it, but I think we all have to be adults about it too. You know, I think we just got to follow the rules, and I think we have to basically look at this as the sooner we all take this pretty seriously, you know, the sooner I think we're going to get back to some degree of normal. Well said, sir. Peter King, thank you so much for your time. Safe travels. Can't wait to see you on TV. And uh, let's let's get back to normal as soon as we can. Thanks very much, Todd. Appreciate it. All right, good stuff there from Peter King. And another big thanks to Trey Wingo for coming on today's podcast. You can access the podcast on NewOrleansAints.com. The Verizon, the Saints app presented by Verizon. And also you can download the show on iTunes. Until Wednesday, for Aaron, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seaton.